But the Bible says this, Lamentations 5, 21, 22. Jeremiah writing says this, Turn thou us unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Renew our days as of old, but thou hast utterly rejected us. Thou art very wroth against us. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We're thankful to be here tonight. Lord, thankful for the great day that we've had. Lord, just the message this morning, just the... Just wonderful, the fellowship today, Lord. Enjoyed the choir tonight, God. We just thank you for your blessings. You're good to us, Lord. And, and Philip was right, Lord. We got it good here. and we ought, we ought to do much more praising than we ought to do complaining, Lord. And God, help us, Lord, to be thankful and praise you. And you're good to us, Lord. I pray, God, we, we got a meet, week of meetings scheduled, Lord, I believe, that has been sought out to try to find your will. And we want to see you move in us, Lord, through us. And I pray that in this community, Lord, lives will be changed through the gospel, Lord. Help us, Lord, to do your will here. We just pray tonight, God, as we preach. You'll give me unction to preach. Help me to effectively communicate the word of God. And help our hearts supernaturally, Lord. May they be open tonight to hear your word, I pray. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, revival, it can be defined like this. Here's a couple definitions. Revival could be defined as a rekindling of a love for the Lord and a fresh obedience to the word of God. Uh, it could be defined as a restoring of life uh, of believers and churches that have previously experienced the life of God and being born again of the Spirit, but have become cold and worldly and ineffective. That, that, that those give an idea of what revival is. Revival, in the sense, is, is not for someone... Uh, you have to have life previously to be revived. There has to have life exist. So I know we say revival, but sometimes things turn into evangelistic meetings. I know we, I, I think we called it the Lone Oak Revival. Well, there was a lot more evangelizing went on. Than, I'm not saying people didn't get revived, but when a bunch of people get saved, that's, that's, they ain't re getting revived, they're getting born again. They're getting life for the first time. So we got to see revival is for those who've already experienced uh, being born again and have the Holy Spirit in them. And then it's not that you get more of the Holy Spirit, it's that the Holy Spirit gets more of you. We got all of God we can have inside of us, but how much does God have of us? And that's what revival is. And as we come to the book of Lamentations, a book that you may not necessarily think about revival, but I want you to think about the book of Lamentations. Now, it's not sad. I can't make this happy. It's called Lamentations. So pray for me. But it's a book of lamenting. Expression of sorrow, expression of a great expression of sorrow of Israel who had been judged by God for their disobedience to the Lord and to His Word. And may I say this to you? Uh, think about this for a second. This is a book of the Bible that didn't have to exist. Now God told them if He told them back in the law, if you do this, this is what'll happen. And he said, there's some certain things that he pointed out. And he said, if you do this, it's going to cause you problems and this will come. This didn't have to happen, but it did. Now you say, well, why didn't it have to happen? Well, if you read the book of Jeremiah, God reached out multiple times and they said, well, we would not. We didn't want it. We, they turned away from it. This didn't happen to happen, but I want to say something to you. God will always fulfill his word. You know, when you have kids, you know what kids do? Kids will test you. Y'all, everybody got an amen on that one, right? The kids will test you. They, they need boundaries, but they oftentimes want to try and see what the boundaries are. 
and, and, and it brings you to an uncomfortable place as a parent, but there's times, let me say something to you, that you've got to fulfill your word in what you said and what you said you were going to do. And may I say, Lamentations is a fulfill... If, there was a, if there's a book just as talking about Israel today, if there was a book that was full of much truth and proof that God will fulfill his word, it's the book of Lamentations. He's not dealing with a Gentile group or something else. He's dealing with his own people that had his word, that had all the things Tom talked about this morning, all of those promises and all those things that came through. It was this people that God judged. We as the church ought not think that we're out of, out of that realm either being judged. But I want you to grasp this. As we come to the end of this book, Jeremiah makes a request in verse number 21 unto God for the people, but then ends knowing that this judgment had come due to Israel's disobedience to God's word. Uh, Jeremiah preached to the people the day he was seeing would come and then sought God on behalf of the nation as the days were fulfilled. It's a sad book. But I want you to think about this. Here's what Jeremiah knew. When you read verse 21, he's, he's seeking out God for the people, for God to do a work in them. But then he comes to verse 22 and he says, Thou hast utterly rejected us, and thou art very wroth against us. And you say, well, why would he say that? Well, because Jeremiah knew God would fulfill his word. He's literally watching, I mean, watching the image of what come out of his lips to these people that God gave him. He's literally watching it come to pass. And, and may I say, uh, listen to me, we, we see in these times that Jeremiah knew he'd fulfill his word, but it, uh, it's a wise thing to always seek God. I think about another time. David, he also sought out God during judgment uh, when God judged David for a sin of Bathsheba and having Uriah murdered and bringing blaspheme to the name of God to the nation. It, God judged him for that and he told him that he was going to take the life of the child to be born. And you know what you find there? You find David in there worshiping, fasting, and he was seeking out God's will to see if God maybe would extend mercy. But in Jeremiah's request here, we can see something about revival, I believe, that is plain and clear throughout the Word of God. And it uses two words that I think you can find scripturally. Now, the word revival is not in your Bible. The word revive is. But there's two words that I want to look at here real quick before I get into the message. There's two words here, I believe, that picture revival and conversion. And I want you to look at them here with me. The first word is the word turn. Notice that word. The word turns found almost 600 times in Scripture. Uh, and that's in its different forms and fashions. And it's a word that is used. Now, if you go to, if you go to Webster's, you'll find the 1828. I mean, it, I got it on my phone digitally, and it's a, it's a long scroll of all the different usages. But, and not all these usages are, are plain to this. Sometimes it's talking about someone turning around physically. They literally turned around. But when you're talking about it in some of the context that we find in the Scripture and talking about spiritually, you'll find it's a word that is used to show a change of a course in someone's life. Can I say something to you? In 1 Kings 18, 37, Elijah was praying. We're on Mount Carmel. 
He's, the rain hasn't came. He's been eaten out of the barrel. He's been eaten by the brook. And God said, it's time to show yourself. He comes before him. And you'll find in that chapter, they tried to blame him. Elijah was not the problem. The problem was Israel had disobeyed the commandments of the Word of God, as we see in the book of Lamentations. But we find here that Elijah had been spent there all days watching them on there. They're cutting themselves, jumping up and down, screaming for their God. And he's saying maybe he's taking a nap or maybe he's watching TV. Maybe he's out of town, see if his receptionist can get a hold of him. All these things that he's saying because he knew he was a false God. Hey, let me say something. When you know the real one, you don't have to worry about the false ones. But here's he began to pray. And in verse 37, he, he prayed this. And this is what he said to the Lord. He said, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. It's a picture of a revival there. I think about in Acts 26 and 18, Paul is telling his testimony of his conversion. He's going back through. He did it multiple times in the book of Acts. And, and Jesus says to Paul, and it was Jesus speaking in this verse, and he's talking about sending Paul to the Gentiles. And Jesus says this to Paul. He said, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. You realize that the gospel is not just made to, to, to reform somebody. It's literally mean to change the course of their eternity. From the day forward you get born again, you're going in a new direction. You're changing. Your whole life changes. Your whole eternity changes. I mean, everything changes. And, and I want you to grasp this here again in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 9, speaking of those believers at the church of Thessalonica. And he writes this and he says, How ye turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. They turned from one, the false gods, to the real God. Do you see that there's a change in the course of life? That word turned is found in context with someone being born again, but also a believer who's got out of the will of God. It's a picture of repentance, a picture of getting right and getting back to the things that you had once done before. And Jeremiah was requesting of God. Now notice, I want you to grasp this in here. He's not praying, Lord, help me turn. He's praying. And Lord, turn thou. He wanted God to do a work down inside of him. Can I tell you something today? Just as salvation is a work of God, so is revival. It's a work of God. Now, all we can do is seek the face of God. But I believe with all my heart, if you want and need a revival and you're truly sincere in your heart about it, you'll seek his face. You're going to get one. He ain't up there. God's not up there trying to hold back from us. He wants us to live for him. And if we get to the place where we realize we need one, that we need to get right, some things right in our lives, some get some things changed in our lives, we need to, so to speak, have a turning in our lives. I mean, we need that. Listen, we ought to seek his face. Notice that's what the prophet, the preacher here is doing, is seeking the face of God for revival. That's what we ought to do. But look at that second word he uses, the word renew. It's found in some form 16 times in the scriptures. With its first mention being in 1 Samuel 11 and 14. And if you read that chapter, they had just come off a victory. And Saul was king at the time. And, and Samuel had told Israel and Saul, and he said, Let's go to Gilgal. 
And he said, Let's, when we get there, we're going to renew the kingdom at Gilgal. And you say, well, why is that important? Well, first mention tells us a lot of things often. But I want you to grasp, Gilgal is the place they first encamped when they came into the promised land. Gilgal means a wheel or a rolling. It's the place where God rolled the reproach off of them. It's a place where things got started, where they had a beginning. Now, they came through the blood out there in Egypt, but this is where it began for them in the promised land. And I want you to think about it for a second. He said, let's go back to the place where it got started. He wanted to find a renewal. Right there in this verse, it pictures a a reestablishing or a reconfirming. And may I say, there's times in our Christian walk, you know what we need to do? We need to rededicate ourselves. We don't get resaved. You got the Holy Ghost, but we need to rededicate ourselves, recommit ourselves to the will of God and the Word of God. And that word renew, it pictures that. It's a place where the wheels start spinning and, and things get rolling first. I think about that word renew. We find it again in the life of David in Psalm 51 and 10. David asked God. You can read those verses. David, I think it's chapter 37 or 34 when he's talking about and he said how he hurt down in his bones. I mean, when Nathan came to him, Nathan brought David to a place of examination. Now, he was a little bit more blunt and he probably would have made people leave the church. Had he, had, had some, in 2023, most of them people, if he'd have come to them, they'd have just left the church. But he's sitting on the throne, and he gives him that story about the lamb, and David finds it so unjust, it makes him sick to his stomach. And I mean, I believe with all my heart that Nathan's, uh, Nathan's finger just went out like this. It probably felt that way to David six or seven feet away from him and he said thou art the man and it brought David to a place of examination he could see the problem he could see everything can I say he could see the problem in the life of that story he was told but he couldn't see the problem in his own heart and you know what oftentimes God needs to do God needs us to quit looking out and see the problems that's over here and see the things we can see over there and he just needs us to stop for a second and look at ourselves and say well here am I We need to examine ourselves. It's a healthy thing. It's not always comfortable. No. But it's healthy. And I cannot tell you, we ought to be, I'm going to get to the verses in a minute, but we ought to be, so to speak, in a renewal place day by day. There ought to be daily examination. There ought to be a time in the day that you look back on the day to say, how did I do? I know if you sin, you listen, you got the Holy Ghost inside of you, you sin, let me say something to you. You're gonna know it. You're gonna know it. He's gonna let you know. But I believe with all my heart we can look back in the day and we ought to have a time of examination before God that we bring ourselves to God. Lord, if there's and you find something, deal with it. Can I say don't hang on to stuff? Deal with it. Deal with it today. Don't put it off. It gets worse. The more that you let that in, the more problems that you may have come from that. But I want you to think about it. David asked in that psalm, after he had come under conviction, he knew his case. He said, I knew that he was born a sinner. He knew he'd sinned. He didn't try to get around it here. When he come to the place that he examined himself, he eventually asked God, he said, renew a right spirit within me. He wanted him to go back. That word renew means to restore to a former state. And thinking about the word renew, a revival is a renewal. It's it's a renewal maybe to a 
to an affection that's been lost. You know, our, 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 our day, I know that there's people that struggle with things, but I believe the greatest tool is distraction. I believe that, Thalmart. I know I've said that a million times from this pulpit, and I'm going to keep saying it. There's all kinds of things out there. And as long as the devil can keep us uh, caught up in these other things, and I'm telling you, when we get that way, there's some point you're going to say, I'm going to need a renewal. We don't hear this oftentimes, but I said it here tonight. But when I was growing up, you heard about rededications often. And I mean, I'm talking about, let me say something to you. There ain't no shame in getting it right. It's a wonderful thing to get it right. The devil, let me say, there's shame in sin. There's shame for the things that we ought to be doing that we're not and all these kind of things. But getting it right, there ain't no shame in that. It's a wonderful thing to get in the will of God. I mean, I say it'll help a church. It'll help a person. We ought to see that more. We need more of that today. We ought to see more rededications. We ought to see more renewals. I'm not saying you have to be out here and grow sin. Don't, don't, that's not what I'm saying. But maybe you've just lost the intensity. Maybe the desire has just weakened. Maybe, it could even be this, maybe when you sang, maybe you're still singing in the choir, but you ain't singing with all you got. That, that to me needs a renewal. When you play sports... Even the best players at times need to go back and renew themselves. They sub out the greatest of all time. They take, what I'm saying is they work to a place. At times they get in these these places and you know what they do? They go back, they try to renew, they try to get things right, get things how they was before. They may have lost their focus. Why can't I say spiritually? We did the same thing. There's nothing wrong so to speak, with knowing that we need to get back and get a desire. The problem is it's wrong when we don't do anything about it. We need renewals. Can I say something to you? We are dependent folks. Now this, this would, let me, we're, we, 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 there's a lot of things we try to be in. We, we as grow up to be independent. But spiritually, you know what, as you grow older, Spiritually, you'll realize you're not growing independent. I'm growing more dependent. From the moment I got saved, I may have thought that I could do things on my own, but the more I realized I can't do a thing without him. For Jesus said, for without me, you can do nothing. Listen, there may come a time. It may be, maybe right now you look at yourself spiritually and realize you need a renewal. You need God to clean something up, God to strengthen you somewhere, God to help you. I'm not saying you're in sin, that's not what I'm saying, but notice a revival could just be maybe you've just come cold in what you are doing. Lost the the affection, lost the desire, lost the one. I've been there. I mean, I know I count down to retirement and I'm not wishing my days away. But I've gone to work some days and I've just been at work. Now, I should have been a lot more thankful about it. But I've worked to get to 3.30 and to get off work. Right? Don't act like y'all ain't done that either. Because y'all's liars if you say you haven't. You have done the same thing. But we spiritually can, like the churches in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, the church at Ephesus, running the buses. Hey, we ought to just shout for a second and say, praise God for all the kids being picked up on the buses on Wednesday night. Let's just worship right there for a second. Thank you all for running the buses. Praise God for that. 
Hey, thank God for that. Hey, we ought to thank God for the people at 22 come out on visitation last Saturday. We ought to praise God for that. We ought to, there's a lot of things we can worship on. And let me say something to you. If we're not careful, it can become something we just do. Now, there's times we, you know what, don't quit if you're there, but you can have God renew that. We don't want to get cold to the things of God. We don't want to get cold to these things. But that word renewal, it pictures a revival. It pictures a restoration. Now, here's what I want you to grasp. This whole book of Lamentations is sad. In my mind, I've, I've, I've put Jeremiah to the desk sitting at some, sitting at some windowsill in, in Israel, in Jerusalem, looking out and seeing all these things. Now, it's not in the Scripture. That's just how I picture him in my mind. Maybe he walked through about the city and saw all this. And some of this, think about this for a second. I've watched some of the images that's over there from Israel from this war. It's just unbelievable. The blood on the streets. The buildings crumbled. The concrete all mashed up. The, the people running, all these different things. And we, and we haven't even seen the images. Listen, don't get mad at me, but I don't care if you do or not. When, when, when Blinken changes his tune after he saw those photos, you got to know the stuff over there was brutal. I'm just being honest with you. Yeah, I know I am. But I'm talking about we ain't seen the stuff that took place over there. They didn't have rockets back then, but that's what Babylon did to Jerusalem. You say, how do I know that? Well, if you read the book of Lamentations, you're going to find there was dead bodies laying in the streets. I, I, I want you to think about this for a second. Jeremiah's looking at this, and he sees the destruction and the disaster that become the place where God named his name, the city that had the name of God. And he's looking out and he's taking examination through the times of his tears. I mean, this book is full of, of tears of the prophet. And he would write about how bad it is. Then he'd say, God, you're right. You did the, what you said you would. You were just in your actions. He wasn't taking an excuse for it. He realized they had sinned. You'll find in the Old Testament, Daniel, he prayed for their sins. Ezra prayed for their sins. I'm talking about friends. Listen to me. He wasn't making an excuse, but he was taking examination of the situation. And I believe when he ended this book... He saw a real need. Now, in the comforts that we have here, it's not as easy to see a real need. I mean, we got a wonderful place to worship. God's ordained us to be here. We can talk about all the wonderful things, the conveniences that we have in life. I mean, all these things, but I want to tell you something. There's a real need... I'm not preaching to any other church that may hear this message. I'm going to preach right here amongst our people. There's a real need for a God-sin revival because there's people that are dying and going to hell all around us. There's a community that if we don't reach them, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything negative about any other church, but our responsibility is to reach them. So whether they go or they don't, we're supposed to. I'm talking about there's a generation of children that's down there in an elementary school that may have never heard of Jesus unless we go. There's people living around us. There's, there's opportunities. There's people up in the nursing home right up here on the hill that may have never heard of Jesus. Might get an invitation, Greg, to come and hear the gospel for the first time. My dad preached. My, let's, I got I, to tell you this. I'm going to encourage you, Greg. 
My dad told me there's a man that he knew. He used to go down and preach in a nursing home in hometown all the time. The guy was in his late 80s, got born again. Late 80s in a nursing home. I'm talking about those people need Jesus. The people around us, they need the Lord. We, we, I, I'm talking about there's a real need. We may, listen to me, we may be ready to go to heaven, but we, listen, we're not ready if we're not wanting to take everybody else with us. We ought to want to grab everybody we can to go. There's a real need for our co-workers, for our schoolmates. They need us to be on fire in the will of God. They need us to be doing the will of God. I cannot say there's a real need for revival. And Jeremiah saw it. Now, I want to say this about revival, and I believe I'm right here. I don't see a prophesied revival in the last days in the Scriptures. Now, listen to me. I don't see that in there that some people say. But I will say this. That don't mean that we can't see revival in ourselves in here. I'm just saying I don't see something that says there's got to be some mass revival. I don't see that in the Scriptures. I see the last day ending in apostasy. But we can have revival. You, listen to me. You can have revival. You can have a... You can, hey, listen, you can experience a work of God in your life only like the work of God that came at conversion. You know what a revival is? It's getting you back to when you got born again. It doesn't mean that you don't take your knowledge back and you go backwards, but it renews a focus in you. When you got saved, can I say something to you? The moment you got born again, there was nothing else more important in this life. That was the most important thing. Your affections, your desires, you were looking to the Lord, maybe unlike any other time you ever had, but when you looked to him and you called on his name to be saved, listen, revival's bringing us back to that place that our hearts are looking to him, that are longing for him, that are desiring to please him. You know, when you know, getting saved pleases God because it's putting your faith in Christ. But there's a real need. I believe that. But here's the realized need. I don't look at anybody else, but do you see it in you? Jeremiah looked out and he could see what was missing in the city. From a physical standpoint, you say, what do you mean? Well, if you open up Lamentations chapter number one, the city, the, the, the chapter opens out talking about how the city that was full was now sitting solitary. He was talking about all the people that were once there full. The streets and the marketplaces were full. All of those things, there's people going around. I mean, everything just booming and bustling. He said, that city that was once full, he said, it's, just, it's like it's by itself now. There's nobody here. He could see that. There was things missing. Can I say, grasp this spiritually. What's missing that's been there before in your life, in your spiritual walk with God? He could see that the houses were destroyed. And my dad has an innate ability. I don't even know if he knows how old I am, okay? I'm 36, okay? I don't even know if he knows I'm 36. But he could take you down 40th Street and Nitro and tell you every house, every car, all those people where he grew up as a kid. He could tell you, I mean, he could tell you every, I mean, he could go down there and tell you the colors of the houses, the people that live, where they work. It's unbelievable that he can remember those things. Don't you think Jeremiah looked out amongst the city? There was the Scarberries. There was the Prices. 
These would be people. I mean, he would have known his own people. Miss Judy and Miss Wanda. Walking by, and he could probably see the memories of kids playing in the yard. He could see the market squares full. Those are gone now. Spiritually, when we look in our lives, our lives are moving from season to season, but God don't change. And our walk with God, though we may be doing something different than we did a season ago, look, can I say, the, the walking with Him and following Him, in a sense of following Him, that doesn't change. Though where we are, I've been, as I, my dad grew up as a pastor, I've been to four different churches that he's pastored. I believe it was in the will of God in all of them. But those seasons changed. But the following God didn't. You may not be in the same season you was 20 years ago or 25 years ago. But following God don't change. But if you look in here, what Jeremiah saw, he said there were some things missing. The houses were missing. Most importantly, the temple. Can I say that the most... You know what separated Israel from every other nation in the world? It was God. And God told them that he would meet them. That temple was built. It was glorious beyond measure. We, our minds can't even begin to describe. I've, I've worked at the Capitol. And listen, if you've never been, we have one of the most beautiful capitals in the United States of America. I encourage you to go visit it. But if you go inside and look up, most people don't notice this. The ceilings are real high. And I mean, they're painted and decor. It's unbelievable how much work went into just the design of that. And that was for the state of West Virginia by government. Imagine knowing what Solomon knew, how David encouraged him to say that this was a great work for God. How beautiful the smell of cedar. I mean, I'm talking about if you ain't work with wood, cedar's what they put in them hamster cages. I mean, but let me say something to you. It's got a, it's got a beautiful smell to it. They probably use cedar to cover up the smell of them hamsters. But I'm talking about I've had some cedar, and I got some probably out in my building. I'm talking about if you plane that down for just a second, I mean the aroma. Everything, even through, you can find that on top of the pillars, they even had lilies. Nobody could see those down here, but there was a God in heaven that could see those things from above. All of the glory that once filled that place because of that temple destroyed. We, we, you read how they took all them pieces back and they took them to Babylon. All of the, they, all those great things, those seas, the lavers, all that stuff, all the instruments and things they took. But I want you to grasp this. Think about this. It may not be as obvious in your, if the temple in Jerusalem was gone, everybody would know that. There may be a house missing here, maybe something over here missing, but if the temple's gone, it may not be that obvious to us. But if we'll take a time of examination and look back, we may see something may be missing. So my one question to you is, as we come into this week of meeting spiritually, is there anything missing in your walk with the Lord that once used to be there? And then I think about what shouldn't be there. There was death in the city because people die. It's appointed under man wants to die. But there never was supposed to be dead bodies laying in the streets. That's horrific. 
savage and brutal. The things we're reading about today that's going over there, that's been done, is just savage. It is desperately wicked and deceitful. That's what it is. It's desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17, 9. And can I say something to you? We don't even know that that's the worst they would do. But God does. Because he says, who can know it? But the Lord tries the hearts and the reins. Read the next verse. He knows. But think about this for a second. There was an increased death. He saw these things. Is there anything spiritually in your life that's there today that ought not be there? There was destruction. They built homes and temples and all kinds of things for a purpose to use. And and now all it was was rubble. This is hard. This is hard to imagine in our mind, but he this literally happened. This is not a fairy tale or a fictitious account. Like this he's literally looking at this city in total destruction. As if maybe perhaps the timing of this message. If you look at the images of Israel right now from them bombings and see all of that destruction, similarly, that's what he saw. And that's hard for us to imagine, but it's real. But on a spiritual level, is there things in your life where there's been destruction? I'm not talking about just troubles. We have troubles because we live in a sin-cursed world. But is there trouble in your life because of things that are in your life that ought not to be there? Think about the the tears. Jeremiah just wept. They call him the weeping prophet. He wasn't... We cry for joy in times of good that there's, there's times, but there's, this was not here. He was weeping for the pain that he felt for God's people. So I asked the second question. As we come into Revival Week spiritually... Is there anything that shouldn't be there? Is there anything out of place? Looking at this city amongst all the things, he could see things that should have been there and things that shouldn't have been there. And he could identify them. And I believe as we come to the end of this Lamentations 5, he knew they was in a mess. Right? He, was, he knew this. He knew that the word of God was being fulfilled. But he also knew if there was anybody that could ever fix it or help them, it'd be the Lord. And I want to tell you something. We need the Lord. As much as, 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 as I believe with all my heart, your pastors and your board and the people that serve in this church want to do everything we can to see people get saved, we must never, ever, ever forget it ain't in us. It ain't in me. I'm just a messenger, but let me say something to you. I could stand up here and preach for four to five hours, do the very best study that I can, but if God don't use it, nothing will come from it. It's Him. And we need Him. We can't go without Him.